KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. G'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Dylan Friends. This week on the pod, this is a big get. I'm not going to lie. I've been working on this one for a while and couldn't be more grateful, couldn't be more blessed. And, um, you know, I actually had a bit of a reflection on the weekend. This would all not be possible without the incredible community and incredible people listening, which is you guys and girls uh, for tuning in. So without you guys listening, this show wouldn't be where it is. And without that, we wouldn't have landed Andrew Dillon, the CEO of the AFL on this podcast, which, yeah, it was unbelievable getting him in. Such a cool dude. I've actually been lucky enough to meet and uh, Andy, Andrew, Dilsey, a couple times um, throughout the sort of AFL stuff that I've been doing. He's a very, uh, you know, seen guy at the AFL, obviously. Like, he's always around, great guy, um, doing incredible things and obviously taking over the CEO job. Uh, I think it was the end of last year, but basically chatted to him about so many things. Wanted to really get to know him off the top and just get to know him as a person, what he does, a couple of memories, favourite bits and pieces, his own footy journey, playing with old Zavs, coaching his daughters. One thing as well when speaking to really incredible people that are doing big things in business and sport is, you know, I was saying to him on the pod about, like, he's a CEO of the AFL. Obviously, there's many CEOs, but these people are athletes too in the sense of they're high-performing individuals doing awesome things, managing massive teams and Wanted to ask him how he managed those things and how he kept up with his own, you know, physical health, mental health, all those bits and pieces to stay at the top of his game. Spoke a bit about some quick fire questions, which weren't quick fire at all, but we talked about Tassie, mid-season trade period, the goal review system, day-night grand final. Really passionate about the media space, obviously, and where that goes in 2025, the access to players, independent podcasts, um, that, you know, Americanism sort of creeping into our game, which is a good which is a cool thing, but also wanted to forge our own path. Spoke about community AFL, why it's so important for the growth of AFL, getting people into Auskick and then transitioning men and women through that so they end up being players or supporters and they put their kids through and just ultimately just keeps growing our game bigger and bigger. Went through our predictions, went through his legacy. We went through it all. It was uh, it was really exciting and, um, yeah, really lucky to sort of get in there. And a big thank you to Jay Allen, who is a, a former um former friend he's a friend of mine um that worked at carlton he was a head of media at carlton and now he's working at the afl doing big dog things and he works with andrew Dillon. and that's a relationship i've sort of had for 15 years that um i'm really lucky to have so thank you jay for setting this bad boy up and i appreciate all the love and support from everyone thank you guys cheers hi fam it's dylan's mum deborah this is Dylan Friends. It's about time I sat down with my son and yeah. had a decent chat. <laughs> this is going to be right. They don't actually know who I am, but when they watch me play football, I don't think many people do like me. A tribute band, Queen, so they played two songs for Pre-game. us. Pre-game. Pre-game. <laughs> anyway. What? So real, Dylan. I looked down and there's this shark biting my left leg. Joe. And I turned around and it was Kobe. No one misses eight weeks of footy with a jarred knee. Yeah, I'm like, Scott, no friends, Scott, no friends. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> I cannot miss this opportunity to get on the Dill and Friends podcast.
Dilgs, how are you? Yeah, real, yeah, really good. Nice warm day in Melbourne today. <laughs> Mate, I was nervous today coming because it is a bloody hot day that you're always looking nice and fresh and clean. I told you to you know take the jacket off because it does get pretty stuffy in here. Yeah, well, it's been a been a big day. I was in Perth actually last night. We had Trevor Nisbet's uh, farewell at West Coast. He's had 35 years there. And then uh, Brian Walsh and I caught the red eye home. So it's uh, late in the arvo for me. It's been a long day. But yeah, looking forward to this. Is Trevor Nisbet now, correct me if I'm wrong, is he the bloke that's going to Essendon now? Or is he who's... No, that was yeah, Craig Vozzo. Craig who worked, Vozzo. He worked yeah. with Nis. But, yeah. uh, so Trevor's yeah been the CEO there since, I think it was 1999. So he's wow. uh, had a long innings. And uh, Don Pike's taken over from him. Hey, um, we had Isaac Smith on the podcast last week. Um, incredible guy, like super switched on. I didn't realize how business minded he was in footy. And it's like, it's so cool to chat to people with different, you know, perceptions, personas. That's why we do the show, like undercover yeah. what people are like. And he spoke about something that we'd never really spoke about on the show, but it was players talking about the business of sport. Yeah. He spoke about his old man loves footy, loves AFL and spoke about the importance of going to footy clubs and clubs in general of how important it is to actually set up a good board, good CEO, good coach for like sustained success at a footy club. Yep. How important is that to you to sort of like ensure that that actually happens across a lot of clubs? Oh, well, I mean, I think it's as important as anything. Like our, yeah. you know, at the AF, in the AFL competition, um, we've got draft and salary cap and soft cap. So from an AFL point of view, we're trying to make the competitions as equal as possible, the competition as equal as possible, same as AFLW. So mm. how the clubs can differentiate themselves is making sure in those really pivotal roles like president, CEO, coach and GM of footy, they're, they're so important and that those can make the difference. But I think it's the same at community level as yeah. well. If you, you know, they're community clubs, some of them are big organisations, lots of people. So you've got to have, you know, leadership at all levels. And I you know, remember back from, you know, as a kid playing at, at, or even playing community footy, like the coach is so important in, in terms of um, whether you as a player enjoy yourself and whether you come back the next year and particularly so at junior level. So yeah, coaching really important as well. 100%. We'll talk a lot about community today because it's something I'm extremely passionate about too. And I know it's a big, um, a big philosophy of yours and how important that is in, in the future of the game. But I thought this isn't uh, Fox Sports, this isn't Channel 7. So I wanted to get to know the CEO a little bit better. Um, I've got some obscure sort of questions off the top. We don't normally yeah. do this, but I wanted to know, if you could watch one movie again, what would it be and why? Well, my fa I've got a few favourite movies of all time. I but, like that. But the one that, I can, the one that I reckon I've watched the most and could continue to watch is um, Snatch. With um, Guy Ritchie with, yeah. uh, when Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, it's just, uh, there's so many layers to it. And it's with just, the gypsies. Yeah, the, yeah. And just I just love it. So I, I've watched it definitely in the double figures and could definitely go again. Okay, <laughs> I like Snatch, very good. If you could listen to one album again, what would it be? Uh, look, I, I think I, I'd probably go back a little way. So the first concert I went to was um, U2 back in 1984, probably before you were even born. And it was at where Collingwood's Training Centre is now. It used to be called the Sports and, Sports and Entertainment Centre. Yeah. So... And that was their album at the time, then was Under a Blood Red Sky, which I still think is an unbelievable album. So I reckon I could continue to listen to that one again. You two uh, sort of killed it when they uh, did that partnership with Apple. Do you remember that? They, yeah, they, yeah, and they, everyone got given that I think song. They got, they, yeah, they, didn't I think they got on the bad side of everyone yeah. after that. It's sort of, that, that, that was a bad PR move. Yeah, by, but I have, by I've seen them live a few times. They're very good. And they're better than, yeah, they're yeah. good. They're good. Okay, that means a lot. My <laughs> first concert I went to, and it's funny how you can always remember it, obviously it's your first, was um, Green Day. Oh, yeah. Where was that? It was at, wow, what was it called back then? The Telstra Dome would have been. Oh, well, now yeah, Marvel Stadium. Mar now Marvel yeah. Stadium. Would have oh, been, right. Yeah, back nice in the day. So that was, that was mine. Um, if you couldn't live in Australia and you had to live around the world in the city, where would you live? 
Uh, and why? Because have you lived yeah. overseas before? No, 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 I haven't. I've always lived in Melbourne, but yeah. I'm um, one of a big family, number of siblings. And at one stage, I was in Melbourne and five of them were living in London. Wow. And there's still two sisters and a brother in London. So I think if I ended up anywhere else, it would be London. One place, though, that I've been, which I found incredible, not sure whether I could live there, is um, Cairo. So loved Egypt. Egypt. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's the most incredible city. Um, but I went there a long time ago. Um, but I, thought, I, I don't know whether I could live there, but I'd love to have a crack. So um, I know maybe causes a few headaches for you and a lot of good things too, but Toby Green, yeah, he loves his travelling. He reckons Cairo's the favourite place he's ever been. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Um, I mean the the history and the tradition of you know with the with the pyramids which are and the and the sphinx which are I don't know if you've seen the photos you think they're in the middle of the desert they're yeah. now literally like in the city. surrounded by in the suburbs it's incredible but um, you only have to go another twenty k's out and you are literally in the desert and there's other pyramids there and so you're still not that far from a a city that's got sixteen or twenty million people living in it so it's uh and the traffic's incredible. Have you ever listened to anything of Graham um, Hancock? Graham Hancock. He is a like history journalism journalist. He's not like an archaeologist or whatever, yeah. but he talks a lot about the pyramids, um, how they came about, sort of debunks a lot of this stuff. There's an episode on Joe Rogan. I'm going to send it to you after. Oh, this. Can it's you? absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like, no, I was, how do you think they got here? I actually haven't landed on a theory <laughs> yeah, no. yet, but I, it is. Um, yeah, and that that was something they can't I, be man made. No. It's actually genuinely incredible. Like when you listen to this, I'm going to go into my. I don't want to, yeah. you know, send you but, into a conspiracy theory. No. This is on me. Yeah, you're but a logical as a kid, man. As a kid, I was fascinated by them, I'm, and that was one of the. That was the one place I always wanted to go to. So first time I went on an overseas trip, sort of by myself without the the, the old days, that was Egypt. Was one of the first places I went. Mate, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not well on it. It's actually crazy. Like the amount <laughs> of stuff that they can build, like to this day, with those like one ton bricks, has got better alignment. Than what we do now in bit like yeah, something going on there. I'm not sure what it is. We might need him for the goal review. Yeah, correct. <laughs> oh, no, that was a that was a cheap that was shot. A cheap shot that early. was a cheap shot. I apologise. Um, favorite grand final entertainment thus far, and who's your north star? Oh, so it's actually really hard to go past last year. Yeah, because I was a, again. It's sort of my vintage, but um, Kiss were huge when I was sort of in that early teens and so to have them play and I think there were some potential doubters out there before they went out but um, they were incredible and the fact that then three months later they've they've sort of disbanded so the, surely the North Star's got to be getting them to reform and play again. You reckon? Wow, okay. I've got to think of who I'd like but I think Robbie Williams I went to that game as well yeah. and that was He yeah. was, yeah, he was very good and I think if you went back to 2017, the Killers were, oh, the killer. were amazing yeah. as well. So we've actually in the last few years had some really good bands, but different back, you know, great entertainers and hopefully um, appealing to a wide range. Did um, did Gil ever sort of live that one down with the the meatloaf decision? Was that sort of did did he live by the sword with that one or was it? Yeah. Well, the best part <laughs> the best part about that and that showed what a great CEO Demetrio was. So yeah. the, it was 100% Andrew's call. Was and, it? Yeah, and he got Gil, and Gil somehow had to wear it. But Gil also, <laughs> but Gil before the grand final last year, before Kiss went out, he sort of came up and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, if if this go <laughs> he goes, if they're good, it's mine. And if they're no good, it's yours. <laughs> so, and I sort of had to give him that. Fantastic. And last but not least, what's your fondest memory um, as a kid of getting into AFL? Oh, I think my first game I went to, AFL. So I back, my old man was South Melbourne, but somehow, but a guy that he was in business with was on the board of Richmond. So I sort of converted one time when he was away for work 
converted from South Melbourne to Richmond and mum allowed that to happen because she was from Sydney and didn't really understand it all. And then the first game I went to was Richmond v Melbourne. So back in the early 70s and I remember going, but the thing that was important for me was I had to then get to the local footy club where we used to always go where dad used to be the president because I love playing the games afterwards. So my initiation into footy was through community footy, through the, the local footy club, which was De La Cell in the amateurs. So we used to spend every Saturday there, but had a, like the inklings into AFL or VFL back then was during the year, didn't go to a heap of games, but always got to, I was really lucky that I got to go to pretty much every grand final from 1975 onwards. So wow. I missed one or two along the way. So I've been very lucky in that respect. That's incredible. Yeah, It's so, the best time. It's the best game to obviously go to at the Yeah, year, and, to, and to have that, you know, the fortunate being in that fortunate position to see the game at that level so and sometimes it was the only vfl game i went to for the year but i might yeah. i was probably playing and going to local footy but i always got to go to the granny which was great it's incredible it's something i always think about um in the states is like you talk you think about our crowds and how big they are at the mcg and everything like that and you look at how good our community footy is our pathway and local footy suburban footy vaffa like everything right we have all these people playing those games going to those games on the weekend then you look at like the NFL, they've got basically like the NFL and college. Yeah. And their stadiums get packed out, but there's no local footy. There's nothing like that. Can you imagine if we didn't have that? Not that we wish yeah. that we didn't, but imagine how hard it would be to get to a game of footy. Yeah, it'd be incredible. I think I think the numbers are, and I haven't checked it, but they might only be a couple of years old. The, the stat is there is as many people go to community footy over the year as AFL now, yeah. albeit it's spread over a lot more games, but that it just shows that the... Um, the interest in community footy is absolutely the same as the elite level, and the economy of community footy is about the same as the elite level as well. So it's a uh, it's really big and really important to a lot of people, and I think that's one of the um, whether it's an advantage, but it's a differentiator for the AFL, and I think it's a really important one mm. is how, how close we are to community. Hundred um, percent. Your junior career into Vaffa. Um, we're going to talk about the Six Flags at the Zales. Oh, yeah. That was a prerequisite before coming on, Jason. Yeah, that's, we, that's, we one, of to, my, that's to, one of my, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. non-negotiables. That's yeah. pretty, it's pretty impressive, nonetheless, yeah. uh, that sort of transition. Can you talk us through the, the Six Flags? Who was playing with you at the time as well? So it's hard to call it a career but because it, it was amateur footy. But <laughs> we were, I was like, we had, we actually had a, um, a lot of good players. And over the, over the six, because they were six in a row. So over the, each year we, um, there was a bit of turnover, but for, you know, from AFL type players, we had um, Anthony McDonald and Andy Leoncelli who went on to have, you know, significant careers at Melbourne. They played in the first flag that we were in. The next year, James McDonald played and he was only an 18 or 19 year old there and he went on and played yeah. 250 games, Captain Melbourne, All-Australian. So pretty handy players on their way up. And then players on the way out of AFL, we had... Um, Paul Tuddenham, who's now on the board of Collingwood, um, Matt Hanabry, Dan Hanabry's old man, who played a few games at the Bulldogs, Ben Buckley, who was a vice captain of North Melbourne. So they all played in our flag in 95, which was the first one. So we were oh, we were in a fortunate position. I just got to sit in the back line and just watch it all happen. Oh, I don't know about that. Long sleeves? Yeah, always wore the long, long sleeves. Sleeve, yeah, yeah. I, I, I played 290 games for old Zavs, two in short sleeves. And they were, in like, they were on days like today where I reckon it was so long ago, if they were playing it now, they would have cancelled it. It was so hot. But You're yeah, <laughs> That... Um, uh, I want to talk about your career in a second, but Ben Buckley, obviously Jack Buckley's father oh, yeah, for yeah. the Giants. Yeah. Um, it was on the board at North, as you said, yeah. but it's yeah. pretty cool to see like yeah. Jack Buckley doing as well as well, he is now as yeah, well. Yeah, it was actually, whether it's interesting or not, but um, at the start of that year in 95, where we had Ben playing his son, Jack, and then Tom Green's old man, Richard, played the first three games for us that year. 
and then he left and went and joined the army. So we actually had Tom Green's old man and Jack Buckley's old man playing in the same team as um, Dan Hanbury's old man. So there was, yeah, there was, it was there was a bit of pedigree in there. If you had to compare yourself to a modern day player now. <laughs> What are we thinking? Is it like a type of uh, halfback with the long sleeves? You outside winger, maybe an Ed Langdon type. Is it? What, oh, I'd what? love to say I could run like those yeah. guys. So <laughs> I'm just not sure the modern game was for me. I yeah. think I was sort of came in at the right time. Okay. I, if you for for your older listeners, it's sort of more the Brad Hardy style. And I'm not comparing myself to a Brownlow medalist, but <laughs> he wore long sleeves and played in the back line. Black My boots? Were you black boots sort of operator? No, yeah, that was a you know one bit of flamboyancy. I actually did have. I was one of the first guys to have white boots, wow. but but I never. I was never gutsy enough to wear them in a match. So just, oh, just a, training, just a training. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's shocking. That's it was good. like that was like there was no such thing as coloured boots. I think that the furthest anyone got in when I was playing was um they had these Adidas boots Valencia, which had a green fluoro green bottom, but that was about as as high tech as anyone got speaking of community footy isn't that the the stuff that like sticks in your memory though and shows the importance of it and that's why you know it is so important to the game and, and i think we do it better than any other sport in the league we actually did an episode this year with a guy named hunter from deacon and um basically he has a phd in like australian sport and spoke about the differences between afl versus every other sport and the investment back into grassroots and that's why it continues to grow more than any yeah. other game it's it's crazy actually i want to share a fun fact for you guys yeah tasmania we're going there yep aren't we Absolutely. We'll get the announcement today on the name. We are- <laughs> Wait till the uh, 19th. Yeah, wait till the 19th. Sorry. <laughs> we spoke to um, Hunter and he gave us his bit of uh, intel. In like 19 something, they were playing rugby and AFL in Tasmania. And they're like, look, we're too small. We can't play both. We don't have enough room for both ovals. So they went to like their town, got everyone involved and they had a vote. Every single person in the town voted on if they'd play AFL or league. Yeah, right. Guess how many votes AFL won by? I, I'm guessing, and I actually think in the back of my mind, I've read something about this, but it was literally like one or two votes. One vote. It? Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. And it would have probably prevailed anyway, but it's just so interesting to think that all those yeah. ovals could have been leagues. They just, yeah. Like from that day, he said they just got yeah. knocked down and they played footy. And that's, I mean, I think the other thing, like going back a long way, but... 1908, the national championships, which we had then, New Zealand had a team in that and they were more than competitive as well. So that was one where maybe AFL had a had a foothold and, and didn't hang on to it. So, yeah. That's cool. Um, back to that point about community footy was the memories of boots, smells, <laughs> sounds, like all those things. I still remember as a kid, the boots was the biggest thing in the world, like going to pick your boots, go down to training, yep. and still to this day can feel those colours and like see those colours of what I used to wear as a kid. Yeah. Special. Yep, unbelievable. Yeah, so it was. Were you a Puma or an Adidas man? Oh, geez, I used to bounce around a bit. But uh, <laughs> I think my favourite memory is, and they're actually bringing them back out this year, was Adidas Predators. Oh yeah. And when David Beckham sort of came out, he had the black and red, and then one year they changed to white and blue, and that yep. was that year of like, I went to Dad and asked him if I could wear, them and he wouldn't let me wear the white. <laughs> so yeah, that's good parenting. I had to get the black. <laughs> had to get the black. Um, Coaching your daughters. Yeah. Is that yeah. Q Comets? Yeah, Q Comets. So three daughters? Yeah, three girls. So yeah, Lucy, Pippa and Chloe. And they're they're all about roughly two years apart. So they um a mate of mine who um his daughter was right into footy from a very early age. She was the only girl at the local Auskick and then played in the boys' teams. And then when girls' footy started getting going about ten years ago, like it, it was around, but it was started to get going a bit more. My mate Sam was coaching the team. That his daughter Ella was in, but they only had eleven players, and so they were playing on the weekends and they were winning games, but they had to forfeit because you actually needed twelve players. Mm. 
So he said to me, look, could you get, could your two, you know, could Lucy and Pippa just come down and play just so that we can, you know, field the right number of um, players? He goes, yeah, they, 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 they can play on the wing. They don't even need to touch the ball. And as I said to him, well, there'll be no problems there because I don't think they will. But <laughs> but they ended up, oh, so I ended up, they went down and then they had a couple other couple of their friends who were actually there and they sort of half enjoyed it, you know, more than half enjoyed it. They had a good time. And then I ended up being Sam's assistant coach. So the next year... Lucy, the eldest one, she was, you know, went up to under 13s or 14s. And so Sam went there. And then I coached with another friend, Pippa and all of her mates for a year in under 12s. And then the next year it was Chloe and her friends. And we did the under 12s for three or four years. And then in our last year, we went from 12s to 13s. And that was a, um, that was a big change. That was when we call, I called it a day at under 13s, but it was, yeah, it was awesome fun. And I've said a couple of times when people have asked me, like, one of the best things that I've been involved in in AFL, and it, you know, it was worked by hundreds and hundreds of people, was just the advent of really promoting girls and women playing. And I sat there once, because I loved my involvement playing footy as a kid and then playing old Zavs and doing all that stuff. But then I thought, one thing when I had girls, I thought, oh, I'll probably never have an interaction or a, a true connection back to a community footy club again because, you know, in my mind, in the early 2000s, girls don't really play. So for me to be able to then have that connection back to a club like Q Comets and have the, you know, the opportunity and the privilege to coach was awesome. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, what some of the best years I've had in footy. What about from the first time of getting involved and you're saying you could struggle to field a team versus oh, now, like yeah. what's been the... To, like that must be something extremely proud yeah. of to be yeah. seen. Yeah, it was incredible. Footy. And I mean, the Comets, and they're just one club out of hundreds yeah. around Australia, but I think it's a good example. So that first year there was, I think we had three teams struggling to field the, and then by five years time or six years later when, when I'd finished, they had um, 12 or 14 girls teams. You know, they had in some some age groups, they had three teams and, you know, so an incredible, incredible job by the committee and the leadership at, at Q Comets. But we saw that replicated everywhere around, you know, the Eastern Suburbs or, or the Yarra Junior Footy League. But we've also seen that all around Australia. Um, Queensland have done really well with women's footy and that was back again in 2011 or 12. Michael Conlon, who was our CEO up there, former Fitzroy champion player, but he, he was an administrator who saw the upside in getting girls women to play. So Queensland invested in women's footy a lot earlier than the rest of the country. And I think we see that now with how good the Brisbane, Brisbane Lions yeah. have been in AFLW. They've lost almost a team of premiership players, but they still continue to, um, you know, they continue to find players up there. And Gold Coast as well have got a great homegrown team. Yeah, it's it's been incredible the last sort of 10 years and to see what's coming next yeah. um, as well. We had Chloe Dalton from the Female Athlete Project uh, in a few weeks ago chatting to her and it's just crazy. Yeah, because Chloe was stuff. a rugby sevens player as well. Wasn't rugby she? sevens yeah. into, um, yeah, AFLW with, yeah. with the Giants, which is yeah. which is huge. Hey, we uh, get a lot of incredible guests on the show and I'm genuinely blessed to get you on today, mate. I know how busy you are. Um, we were saying to you off air before, I wasn't going to embarrass you, but I don't know how else to intro this in. We speak to a lot of athletes as we said at the top of their game and you know the mindset the things they have to do to compete at the best high pressure environments all these bits and pieces and i think an athlete is a is a really broad term because it talks about sport but you know we like to talk about it in in general like any person can be an athlete and being the ceo of one of the biggest you know businesses and sports in australia is incredibly high pressure job um you're at the top of your game team of lots of people What do you do to to stay at your best? What are you? How how are you keeping cool? Are you keeping yeah. cool? Like you look besides the weather, you look sort of cool. <laughs> is it 
Is it tough? Like, what what yeah. have you found? It's look, it's a it's a good question. It's something that I'm thinking about and I'm aware of. And I I would certainly I wouldn't say that I've got it down pat. And I've you know in my mind you know because I spoke to a few people coming in about you know you've got to make sure that because every day you don't know what's going to um, and that's in any it doesn't matter whether you're the CEO of the AFL or you're running a you know I've got a friend who runs a big plumbing company he's got 300 plumbers out you know so he's it's and so you chat to him and other friends who have got different you know big roles where they've got lots of responsibility so I sort of had in my mind all these things that I was going to put in place about waking up early and staying fit and all of that and then try to do that but I haven't I haven't got a down pat yet but the one thing that I do know is really important is um and it sounds a bit but you've you know is finding time to um decompress as well so when you get an opportunity because when it's on, it's really on in and in in any role, but in big roles. So if I get the opportunity to have a an afternoon off, make sure you're taken. It doesn't really matter when it is. So I've sort of found that's been good advice that I've got. And I think the other part is just again, I've got this um, only recently again because you travel a lot. Is making sure that you you know it's pretty simple stuff, but eating healthily and making yeah. sure you can exercise as much as you can and being prepared to take even if it's 20 minutes, it's better than nothing. So just having that mindset. And then, you know, another bit of advice I got from someone who's very, um, he's got a, he's an older guy, he's, but he's got a lot of responsibility and he and he's in the um, pub game, but his was like, he only drinks one night a week and he only, you know, and he'll only have six middies because he goes, oh, any, and that's, you know, never more than that because he says, you just never know what's going to happen when you're running a, a big organisation. Now, I haven't, 100% stuck to that. <laughs> Couple full strengths. Yeah. <laughs> but it is but it is something that um that that's one of the differences I found from being and, I, and it's only a short time that I've been the CEO is that is you, you have got that responsibility. So it is different to being a senior manager no matter how much responsibility you had in those roles when it's that sort of ultimate accountability. Um, and it's about setting an example as well. Mm. I love what you said about you, you know you don't have it down pat and I think that if you think you do you're probably lying to yourself yeah, like it's probably, impossible yeah. to be on all the time but it's how you can sort of mitigate and be at yeah. the best as much as you can like yeah. this year i've found at the start of this year like i just felt myself i was like i went out a blood test i had high cholesterol i was like fucking hell like i'm only 30 and like yeah i feel like i've just let myself go sort of completely because i was just all in on one thing and i'm a young dad now i got an 11 month old boy and for me it's just like the the most basic things of just like going to the gym yeah spending time with family and make sure I'm putting it in my calendar and just like dedicating time. To yeah. Blocking things. out the time. And you got to block out the time. And you get, and the best thing about, about it is like, if you know, he's tapping into all different sorts of networks of pe yeah. or people and then they'll all have advice and then you can distill that to what works for you. So again, getting all of the, the different bits of advice and then making, you know, getting, taking the bits that work for you, mm -hmm. I've, I, I've found important. And then, and not getting, beating up on yourself too much if you're not, you know, no one's batting at 100% or the whole time. So you've got to be aware of that. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with 
boasts Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Inspiration-wise, like, you know, from leaders in the past, people you've worked with, mentors, courses you've done, books you've read, is anything sort of stand out to you of like a somewhat a philosophy or, or bits of wisdom that you have sort of really taken on board? Like, do you still seek advice from other people and, and have people that sort of help you in your role? Well, the best bit about this role is you get advice all the time. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's more is about... That on Twitter? That's or is more, that just, yeah, oh, yeah. I, no, I don't read any okay. of that stuff. Yeah. But, but you do get good... But, I mean, that's, that's why... That's why it's such a good job. So, I mean, I was on a plane the other day and had a um, an older man and his wife sitting across from me and he, he I was, I think I was with Brian Walsh, our head of corporate affairs, but he, he leaned across and said, Andrew, I looked across and then he turned his phone and he'd had it, you know, and it was all blackened and then a, a little message came across his phone and it was, give Job his Brownlow back. <laughs> And I said, oh, do you barry for Essendon, do you? He goes, yeah, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah. And so, <laughs> that was a while was, ago. No, but it was cool. And then we had, but it was like, had a good chat with them as we were walking off the um, off the plane. But but going back to actual like advice from people, yeah. But they're not, not one person. And I've been, I think I'm really fortunate, particularly at the AFL, to have three CEOs who are really different. So Wayne Jackson into Andrew Demetrio into Gill. And being able, and like, I'm very different to all of those three, but trying to pick the parts of them that work for me. Yeah. And so getting that balance right. But also, you know, we're very lucky with our board. We've got um, really experienced people on the board who've got heaps of different, um, really experienced but different experiences as well. And they've been great in sort of, and some of them are on boards of other companies so they can sort of tell me, look, this is what other CEOs do and don't do. So just being able, my view is just to try and take information from as people who you trust and who've got, who you know have got your best interests at heart and then distilling that but ultimately you're responsible for your own calls so mm-hmm. you've got to get all the information you can and then make the decisions huge the point i'd love to to know now and i'm sure you're very aware of what these are well maybe what do you think your biggest skill as a leader is and what do you think is your biggest area for improvement that you'd like to improve on i think sometimes your biggest strength can also be the thing that you've got to work on like this so Again, I mean, and others might be to judge, but but I think what I feel that I bring to the table in a leadership style is um, I'm relatable, very, but and a lot of empathy, and I, I really care for people. Um, but when you're in those roles, because you have to make hard calls, particularly around people, that's something that I've often struggled with because mm-hmm. I can always, I've always found you can always see the reason why something happened and try and looking on the on the on the bright side and that and you can't do that all the time so again i think that's something that's probably got me to where i've got but it's something that yeah you can't just leave that unchecked you've got to you know there are times you've got to make the hard call so i think it's it is a strength of mine but it's something i know that i can't you can't just do it unabated as well yeah it's great awareness quick fire yeah i don't want to be as we said earlier but i'd love to get just a quick fire on this uh tazzy what's the update When's it all happening? What can we expect? So, Tassie, whether this will be quick fire or not, but um, <laughs> doesn't have to be quick fire. No, but the, like the Tassie announcement, May three last year was as an incredible day, I reckon, for the AFL. Um, being down on the ground with you know local Tasmanians who just were so pumped about the team. Now, we've got some issues around the stadium because we need the, the part of the commission allowing the you know granting the license and then out the other 18 clubs signing off on that was a robust business case that was built around a stadium and then 
the business case for the stadium was around it being in a certain position with at least 23,000 people with a roof. Mm. Now, there's a planning process going through on that at the moment and there's an um, election coming up in a few weeks in Tassie. But I'm really confident that um, all of Tasmania wants a team and to get the team, they'll build the stadium. So we're going to have some announcements in the coming weeks about um, colours and nicknames. And I think we've got a great chairman down there, Grant O'Brien, who's a um, great Tasmanian from the Penguin you know, Penguin Footy Club. Jack Revolt is now working for the team down there. And we've got a, an executive director, Kath McCann, who's a very experienced person in Tassie. So the, there's a bit of groundswell there. And yeah, we're really excited. But it, it's... To get an AFL team up, because it's such a big competition and it's so competitive and it's so hard, it's, it's, you can't just grant a licence and start 12 months later. This is a five-year build just to get going. Mm. But we want the team when they start to be really competitive and that's what the other clubs want as well. Have you learned or did the AFL learn anything from the Giants yeah. and Gold Coast stuff? Like what would be sort of thing? Because realistically, you know, not to get into list management stuff there, but both followed similar type yeah. things, but it worked a bit better for the Giants than it did for Gold Coast. Yeah. Well, I think like if we look at the Gold Coast and the Giants, what the Giants had the, whether it was the fortune or not, to be that year behind the Gold Coast. Yeah. So they yeah. got to see a little bit of what the Gold Coast had done. And to Scotty Clayton's credit, he was the list manager of the Suns at the time. When we did the list rules for GWS, he talked about the things that he felt constrained the Gold Coast, which allowed us to make, you know, maybe make the rules a little bit different for the Giants. So there were some benefits, I think, in coming second there. What we learned, I think, now for Tassie when we're looking at you know comparing Gold Coast and the Giants, and they are now, we talk about them as expansion teams, but they're sort of 12 and 13 years old now, is um, really making sure that they are competitive from the start. Whereas I think with Gold Coast and particularly the Giants, they, had, they were given the luxury of um, having a build over... You know, for the Giants, it was five years before they played finals. But then once they got there, they were really strong. So um, but I think for Tassie, I think the Tasmanians, they're not going to want to have a start like, you know, winning one game in the first year, two games. I think they want to be, they want to hit the ground running. So we'll tw- tweak the rules like that. And the other thing also that we found really important is making sure you've got the best facilities as possible, um, as early as possible. Mm. We've got to attract good players and coaches and stuff yeah, there as and, well, which would, you know. Yeah, and that's because they'll, you know, they'll they'll get some really good players through the draft. They'll attract, a, you know, a couple of local guys back, but they, you, you can't just build a club based on that. So they're going to want to attract a experienced CEO. They're going to want to get an experienced coach and they're going to want to get some experienced players down there. Mm. And the players, there's amazing facilities around the competition, so they're going to have to be at least equal to those. So with that, would the AFL help in selecting coaches and stuff like that, or would that be sort of the, t- the club will be set up and they yeah, do the, it? The club, and by having a board set up now, yeah. the club's got its own. They're sort of they're funded by the AFL, but they are independently. Their business, yeah, they're, they're their own business. And um, Grant O'Brien and his board, will, they'll make those calls. Isaac Smith, we spoke about because he played in four flags the other day. Can I keep referencing him because it was a business pod? But we said if you could take a coach, captain, and president to a new club at the moment, or like he was thinking about it, who would he pick? And I think he went Jeff Kennett, and then he went Clarko, coach, and he couldn't split Hodge and Selwood as captain. So historically, yep. not, it doesn't have to be right now or anyone in the future, like could you think off the top of your head who you'd have as a president, coach, and captain? Of Tasmania, of or, just, or a mythical new team, because we already have got a president. But oh, you do have a president. Yeah. Sorry, so yeah. yeah. Got Who's Grant the president? O- uh, Grant O'Brien. Oh, of so course, he's, Grant. Yep. Yes. So Grant's a, um, you know, 
played footy down in Tassie, premiership player yep. for Penguin, played for yes. state footy for Tassie, but then has lived in New South Wales for a while. He was the CEO of Woolworths a few years back, but um, he's the um, chair of Tourism Tasmania. Wow. But um, look, I, I, I would just go with, rather than picking an individual, because I think that's hard, um, is someone with experience and someone who's done it before. Mm. So if you roll that through, and I don't think they necessarily have to have been a premiership coach, but if you could, uh, if I, I will name them then, if you could get, uh, you know, if you could get Chris Scott at the right time, if you, if he was happy to go there, you know, Brad, I think they're two amazing coaches, yeah. but I think there's anyone who's been there and done it, I think that really helps you in those formative years. Mm. I'm trying to think of a player that would be in like that time as well. I know there's been a lot of talk around like a Tom Green or someone like that heading there. It's been, yeah, it'd be cool to yeah. see what players sign contracts to that period, which yeah. I love this stuff. Yeah. Um, the next question was mid-season trade. This is, I don't know if there's been greenlit yet, but this could genuinely is my, I'd rather watch trade period and talk about trades than watch footy. Like it's that, <laughs> I f absolutely love it. Do you, where, do, where do you stand on that? Do you like player movement or do yeah. you like the loyalty? Or no, what's, no, yeah. no, I'm, um, I don't mind loyalty. I, lo yeah. I love it all. But what, what I like is um, opportunity for players. And I love the hope that the draft and the trade period gives fans. And that's, I think, what drives all the interest. And, you know, following a team is all about hope because there's 18, soon to be 19 teams in the competition. So if you're going to follow, it's hard to win flags, but you want to think you're a chance. And that's where the trade period, I think, helps mm. that. That's why the draft, if you haven't had a great year, but then the opportunity for West Coast to get um, Harley Reid and North Melbourne to get Dersma and, and McKercher and what they've done and listening to the Bulldogs with Riley Sanders coming in. And he's, you know, so that that those new guys coming in and then and the same with the AFLW, the girls that can come in and make a... Um, make a splash early. Mm. So fantastic. Mid-season trade, it's certainly on the table to look at. What we want to do, though, is make sure that what if we bring it in, it's um, it fits in with all the other competitive balance mechanisms mm. so that it doesn't distort the market for players um, unnecessarily or unduly. And then also work out how that fits in with the salary cap. So at the moment, most of the clubs are at 100% of the cap. So trying to work out, well, how would you bring a player in in the middle of the year and still keep yourselves under the cap? So they're technicalities, but they're sort of important ones. So we will look at that this year as a review of all those sort of trading and drafting mechanisms and all of the academies, which we agreed to do with the Players Association. But yeah, I think it would be exciting if it's done in the right right manner. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that could be an absolute game changer yeah. for the game. Um, I think it's so cool as well, especially for those players that are sort of in and out of the teams. And you look at before about equalization and, and stuff like that, it can literally change a team's run. Yeah. And what it actually does do as well is to that point of, of, of making it a whole club decision. It shows how important it could be to have the right list managers and those decisions that aren't just at the end of the year, but it makes them be thinking about them all the time as well, which yeah. is huge. Yeah, and particularly when you look at the salary cap, it'd be making sure well, you're contracting to give yourself the opportunity to do if that. it arises at the right time. Yeah, yeah. so it, it makes it more complicated, which is sort of good as well, because then the best decision makers will, um, will rise to the top. Very cool. Uh, goal review system. How's that going? The goal review system, uh, yeah, it's we're working on it. It yeah. is since it's come in, we have more correct correct calls than when we didn't have it. Um, but in any system, there's human error, and it's not perfect because of the way that our game is played on the big ovals and 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 the rest of it. So, what we 
have always done is at the end of the year reviewed the system mm. and we do it during the year and if we can make improvements we'll do that and that's what we're looking to do so we want to continue to make sure that all of our decisions by you know the umpires on the ground but also the score review if we can get it as good as we can and in the finals last year we um, talked with seven about bringing in more high def cameras and we're looking to do that during the year this year and that that helps for when you're looking at touched off the um, you know touched through and things like that we're also looking at um, smart ball technology it's got a way to go but if that if that actually comes through the way we hope it might that will absolutely be a game changer because then there'll be no doubt whether the ball's been touched mm. whether it's passed over the line so that's that's a really exciting development but it's own, it's in its not infancy but it's still got a, it's sort of in the middle of a in the middle of trials at the moment so we're excited about it um, and in the meantime we'll continue just to refine the system we've got in place now very cool day night grand final tell me we're, we're keeping the day what do you think well I think I did say before I've been fortunate to go to heaps of grand finals yeah. and most of them have been during the day but I was lucky enough because of the role that I had I was in yep. Brisbane I was in Brisbane and I was in Perth so mm. Brisbane we had a night granny Perth it was a twilight but was ended up being night on TV here so I've seen the, the three I've seen day I've seen twilight I've seen night I was also fortunate enough to be in 1991 at Waverley for the grand final there so they haven't all been at the MCG so I've seen all the different ways the grand final can be played and I haven't seen a bad one yet mm. I'm a traditionalist at heart but I'm but one person and it's a decision and, and, and the AFL and the sport needs to continue to progress. Now, what that means, I'm not sure, but we'll continue to look at what's the best thing for the fans or what's the best thing for the growth of the game when we look at when all of our games are played. It's mm, a good answer. <laughs> Didn't really give me much. Um, I'm, th I'm thinking... Jay's happy. <laughs> yeah, Jay, Jay, that was, that was like... I just went straight into just like listening to... I don't know what that was. <laughs> I um I agree with what you're saying. I think, but for me, I I think we're my opinion is um not that you asked for it, but my opinion <laughs> on it is I think that there's so many good things we're doing in terms of like innovating the game, and it's so cool. But I just I'm such a romantic of like I just love that Saturday afternoon game at the G, which I think is pretty cool. But you know, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the night grand finals. I just think it was really cool. Just that get around the barbecue, watch it with mates. Yeah day game i'm not going to boycott it if it if it <laughs> happens but that's my opinion um something i'm really passionate about and really keen and i cannot wait to see sort of happen in the next little bit and i know i don't know if it's something that you're looking at, at um or, or putting your eyes over is the like digital rights access to players um you know getting to know them more like you know i, I don't actually love american sports but i love the access they have to players yep. in terms of like those um 30 for 30s and the hard knocks documentaries yep. things like that obviously it's why we do what we do we love just to see what people are like off um off the camera like where do you see that sort of heading and what's the afl's goal around access to players in 2025 because i know there's a new yep. broadcast deal with seven and it's going a bit more online and digital which is really cool yeah, I think what we want to do is um, continue to make the game available to as many people as possible. And I think the you know, your hardcore traditional fans, they love consuming footy the way they they always have. But I think for us to continue to grow and, and, and we want to grow and you, and you need to grow is to then look at different ways of connecting. And that's, um, you know, whether it's podcasts, whether it's access in the 20 minutes after the game for all the players... Um, so that you can, so the the fans can hear from the players they want to hear from, rather than who the club thinks 
they just want to push out that week. Mm. So I think for me, it's about access to players, and then it's for players feeling that they're in an environment where they can, you know, can be themselves in a safe space. And I, and that doesn't mean they get just given Dorothy Dixit questions, but if they can, they know that they can go somewhere and they'll get, um, you know, respected in the way the questions are asked. Then you'll mm. find out more about the players, and I think that's what people want to know. They want to know. Yeah, they love the way that a player's a great athlete and all of that, but they also want to know a little bit about the story behind the person, what they do. And I think the more we can do that, the better. And I think then if there's different ways of displaying our game, talking to some people today about even um, when you've got your traditional you know, play-by-play calling, but are there different ways that you can watch the game? So the Super Bowl, for example, this year had a telecast on Nickelodeon, which was um, directed you know, directly for kids because it's on Nickelodeon. But mm. apparently afterwards, when you compared after the, you know, normal time finished, the way the main broadcast dealt with overtime versus the Nickelodeon one, the Nickelodeon was so much better because they actually explained the overtime rules properly, whereas there was an assumption on the main telecast that everyone knew what the rules were. Mm. And it was clear afterwards the 49ers players didn't even know what the rules were. So, um, so thinking about, not always thinking from for the absolute avid fan, but I think... They are absolutely important. You always have the um, have the calls for them, but looking at different ways, different languages, and now that when you've got apps and different ways of having multiple streams of games, I think that's something that I'd really like to encourage our partners like Seven and Fox, but also ourselves to be able to do via the AFL app and otherwise. Cool. Well, um, it's good to know. Uh, hopefully you don't sue us for this, but we're looking at doing um, some stuff next year, which we should talk about. We'll take this offline. But we love that stuff as well. And like, as you've probably seen... Um, in the US and Joe Rogan does it with, you know, the UFC and they, they simulcast and, you know, they talk and you feel like you just sit on the couch with people yeah. and streaming and, and stuff. Well, it's it's a great way to do it. Like I'm all, I, I love watching Friday Night Footy, love listening to BT and yeah. Bra- Brayshaw and, and the like. But I think for me as well, like I love just chatting with the mates, talking on the couch and, and putting on KO and, and watching it at the yeah. same time as well. So no, I think you're, you're all over it and um, yeah. it's really exciting with where the game's going to go in this space. Yeah, that's right. And not that you, we don't have to borrow everything from America, but you can sort of see where things are going yeah. with the way that, um, you know, the Manning brothers on Monday nights and, and it, I don't think, yeah, I think there's just different ways for people to consume and I think that's really important for us because we want to, you want to be able to appeal as, to as broad a um, group of people as possible. Cool. Well, we'll think about the offer. Come back to me when you're serious <laughs> about it and um, I'll I'll have a think about it and table it with the team. Right. Um, it's good. Yeah, but just come yeah. with it. Come. My people can talk to your people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, one thing with that as well, I, I love and I'd love to get your opinion on, but like, you know, players rocking up in, uh, you know, their kits, um, independent podcasts. You see players like Petrarca and what he's been able to do building yeah. his brand. And, yeah. and not only is that good with for the cooking, Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, with the cooking, but with the, you know, for the AFL and um, Baz Lenka. Yeah. Players like this, you know, like 10 years ago, that sort of stuff wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, how important is that for the, the game as well? Um, and the last one was, um, no, that's it. Yeah. Just those two. Well, I think, I mean, I think allowing the players, because it's a, it's such a team sport yeah. and every player has to play their role on you know on the field so to allow those personalities to to shine on the field is really important as well as long as you can do it within team rules but off the field i think it's really important and again going to america seeing the examples um of i think it was the the ice hockey the philadelphia ice hockey team turned up the other day and they all got off the bus wearing the rocky sweats from rocky one or two when he ran up so they all they all had on the gray track suits it was hilarious but and also then you know looking before an nfl game or an nba game the 
the kits the, the players roll up in. It's a, it's a whole um, industry in itself. Mm. And I think it was um, James Harden, after every game, donates whatever he wears to um, a homeless charity. So you've got homeless people in, you know, he's played at a few um, clubs, but walking around in these $10,000 fur coats <laughs> I mean, and all the yeah. rest of it. So, but I think that that's a whole industry in itself. And I think that's, you know, whether we copy it exactly like that, but I think a way to allow the players' um, personalities and indivi- individuality to shine is good. And that's, there's a lot of negatives about social media, but I think one of the positives is, positives is it's allowed the players who've wanted to to be able to do that um as you said like bailey smith's um done really well in that sphere and and continues to do that so it's not it's something i think from an afl point of view that we would um you know encourage but always doing it in in step with the clubs Mm, very cool um community we speak about this and i know that it's a big part of your legacy i've heard you speak you know a lot about how important it is to you um why do you think it is well. Why is it so important to you, and and where do you want to see it grow in the next yeah. um, few years? For me, it, there, there's a couple of reasons. One of the reasons it's important for the AFL is because of the way we're structured. The AFL has got a responsibility for um, the game at community level, and not not all elite competitions have that responsibility. Doesn't mean we're not the owners of the game, but we've got a responsibility to help it grow, and that's really important to me. But so it's the right thing for the AFL to invest into game development and community footy, but it's also a smart thing to do because we know that if you play, coach, volunteer or umpire at that level, you're six or seven times more likely to be someone who goes to a game, watches a game. So it sort of makes sense that we can invest in community to get more people playing so then they'll end up going to the games, which means we can then commercialise the number of people going to the games to make sure that we can invest back into community mm. and continue to grow. We've got aspirations of growing from using our definition now of a participant is someone who signs up and plays in a either an odds kick program or a registered sort of footy comp. We've got a bit over five hundred thousand people Australia wide doing that. We want to get to a million by two thousand and thirty three. We're going to invest significantly to do that. But where we'll grow doing that will be um, in New South Wales and Queensland, particularly New South Wales. It'll be women and girls continuing to play, and it'll also be people playing footy in different formats so it won't necessarily be signing up and playing for 18 week seasons we still want that and that's going to continue to grow but we want to look at different ways for um, all sorts of people to um, play our game and Mm. AFL nines um, we've got it we've now got a new program for young kids who've finished Oz kick but aren't quite ready for community footy so super kick so having bridging programs so that you know boys and girls or mums and dads can find the way that they want to interact with um, with our great game rather than it being, here's the way we've always played, um, come down and sign up. And if you don't like it, well, then you can go and do something else. Not that we've been like that, but I think you just got to provide options. And if we can continue to get the best parts of our game available for as many people as possible, that's, that's what I want to do because it means the game continues to grow, but it also means then more people will watch, more people will go and... Uh, will thrive at the elite level as well. Very cool. Um, you might not be aware of this, but Brett Deludio is actually a, uh, into these AFL nines. 
Oh, yeah, he plays out at East Melbourne, doesn't oh, he? Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, well, I used to play there until I did my Achilles. Is that I, how you did your Achilles? No, I did it playing tennis, but um, I was playing Monday nights there and tennis on the Tuesday, and I'd I'd played the night before and then played tennis on the Tuesday, did the Achilles, and I haven't had the guts to play again. But You're I reckon down I'm, there with Brett? Yeah. Mm. Well, I, he's, a, he's the opposition to us, I think. I think we might be playing them this week, <laughs> my old team. <laughs> You're kidding. I'm on, uh, I'm on the long-term injury list. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, he's... He... No, there's a few guys, like Chris Newman's played down there, Eddie Betts is playing. They're not all, all on different teams. Matt Richardson's played. So yeah, it's it's quite funny going down there. Wow. It's um, it's a it's a really big. Um, I think there's six fields and there's four or five time slots, and they're all they're all um, they're all full, all sort of turn one, turn four. I don't think anyone really likes playing in winter, but that's the good part about it. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I've got one for you as well that I'll yeah. pitch quickly. I have a. a at the, the nearly the last end of this to keep people involved. So the people that have retired or finished yeah. local footy, the people that don't want to play AFL nines, I've got something called uh, just the training squad. Yeah. And basically, all we do is train together. We have a pre-season. We train every week like we're going to play, but we just don't play. It's just training. What do you think? No, you laugh, but I actually don't mind it. <laughs> I don't, I was, no, I'm not going to say that that was my idea, but I actually was, I was thinking about it the other day because it actually is a way to engage. It is, mate. I don't want to play footy on the weekends. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do anything, but I, I miss from finishing. I miss going down on a Monday, Wednesday night, going to the gyms, you know, doing a preseason session, yeah. having that feeling of camaraderie, being a part of a team, you know, clearing yeah. my mind. But I don't have the time to play on the weekend, nor yeah. do I really want to. Yeah. Yeah, Let's talk about this. Let's I think there could be there. something in this. This could be our new, uh, another alternative okay. way to play. Fantastic. A bit of equity for old, old Gilsey <laughs> as well. <laughs> beautiful. That was my idea. I've been talking about that one for a while. Um, fantastic. Um, predictions, mate. Yep. Sorry, one more question I want to ask. And this, it, it's, a, it's a good one. <laughs> How... It goes probably back to that part earlier around being in the high-pressure role, high role. How do you deal with... Um, high pressure times in the AFL. Like there are so many times where things do yeah. happen. Like that's just life. Things are going to happen, whether it be something good, something bad. How do you deal with those situations? Because I know the biggest thing is not panic. Like you can't yeah. panic. You've got to stay calm and work out the best solution. Like crisis management, how does that work? Well, look, I think there's a there's a fair a few things to it. But for me personally, it's you've got to try and draw on the experience that you've had. And I'm fortunate I've been in the AFL for a long time. Um, and so there's, you've seen most things before, but you still haven't seen everything. So, but you then got to, if you see something you haven't seen before, it's like drawing on your experience um, mm. in other ways and see if you can bring that to it. I think it is really important to stay calm because, and particularly for me, because I find you make better decisions that way. The lucky thing I find at the AFL, and I've always found this, is that we've got an incredible team. And, I'm, and me being in the role that I'm in now is actually seeing how good that you know our executive GMs and then our GMs so the really experienced men and women who've come a lot of them have worked in the industry for a long time but a number have come from outside the industry so seeing how they all operate gives me a lot of comfort that if things are and that you know they inevitably will go there will be crises and that we're in a really good position to deal with them so and then for me it's the, the important part I think for me as a CEO is to be calm provide um, leadership and also you know make sure that I can keep my chairman and the board up to date with what's going on because they've got, you know, the board's got the ultimate responsibility and they're, again, another step removed. So that's that's part of the, the role that I'm learning is that, um, which you don't get when you're in an exec 
role. It's as a CEO, that that relationship with your, we call it the commission is really important. So, but I always just find if you can draw on your experience and then rely on the people around you, which is the importance of having a good team. Bloody oath. No, great answer. Predictions. Yep. AFL grand finalists. So two teams that are going to be there in the year. Well, I think uh, one of your old teams. Giants. The Giants. Oh. Yeah. I I really like the way they finished the season last year. I think um, Adam Kingsley's a very good coach. I think they've got something pretty good going there. And again, this probably isn't too much of a surprise, but I think Brisbane playing the, you know, they're, they're so hard to beat at the Gabba. So I think if we, uh, Brisbane Giants grand final. I accidentally said the other day Brisbane wouldn't make the eight. It wasn't a it wasn't a calculated thought. Yeah. It just sort of came to me, and I just sort of said it. And it's actually reached HQ at oh, Brisbane, really? and Fags is actually coming on the podcast in the next couple of uh, couple of months to, yeah, to right. chat about it. So, but um, I, th- one I think they'll be- do well. Yeah, one thing before that is like I actually think like last year it will be really close, oh. and I, a lot will depend on you got to have your best players on the ground, and I think there could be as little as two games between at the end of home and away finishing in the top four and finishing 13th. Yep. So every game, there'll be something riding on it. So And that's what makes the, you know, that's why everyone's so interested. Trying to do the latter is, is yeah. really hard. And I think the first five games are going to be so important to set that yeah. up for teams as well. Yeah. Just one player, watch the name, um, Darcy Jones. So young yeah. kid, he did his knee in his first year. He wears a helmet, Giants. Um, yeah right. He's going to be an absolute star. So where's he from? He's I think he's from WA. Yeah right. I have feelings from WA. So where's a helmet? Like he's very like similar to a Bobby Hill type. Yeah um, right. So and they've also got you know Cadman number yeah. one draft pick. Who, Brent Daniels who yeah. is my favourite player in the AFL. Yeah. Um, obviously Toby Green and Toby Bedford. They're yeah. they're stacked. It's going to be good. Uh, Brownlow again. Oh this is a hard one, but a player who's just been such a good player over so many years who, and you, no one ever deserves one but you know uh, Marcus Bontempelli mm. it'd be good to see him win one yeah he's a very good player Rising Star I know it's very early for this but yeah I look I would have probably if you'd asked me a week ago I would have just gone with the, maybe it's predictable Harley Reid but um, I'm hearing really good things about uh, Riley Sanders out of the Bulldogs okay. I think he uh, apparently played really well in the practice match and um, just having talked to a few people around there so I don't think it's necessarily a smoky but he might yeah. be one to keep an eye hearing on hearing a lot about McKercher as well but I at the Kangas yeah. the Kangas but I'm going to go Nick Watson I oh just, yeah yep. yeah I just love him I reckon he's going to be huge well the other um, one who might be a sneaky one again another Bulldogs player I think he's still eligible could be Sam Darcy of course yeah good one um, AFLW grand finalists this year were you going to who would you who would you think is going to win? Uh, let me go through that. I think I reckon Geelong. Geelong have been sort of on a sustained run, mm-hmm. and I think it might be a bit of a changing of the guard. And so I'm going to go Geelong and Gold Coast. I think we've had Adelaide, Brisbane, North Melbourne to agree have been so strong for so long, but I think the the, the newer teams um, are coming, and uh, as we see the the influx of those of the young athletes that are coming into the game so yeah i'm going to go a little bit out on a limb and say geelong gold coast like it uh league bnf uh i th- i would love jazzy garner to win and rising star so i'm going to be a bit, bit biased here so um there's a young woman who's uh when i think she went pick nine to collingwood so lucy cronin because i i coached her at the q comments oh, so, yeah. so, okay. <laughs> so lucy better deliver for us yeah 100 i've i can't remember the exact name is showing how good my research is but the award for both yeah the mcclelland mcclelland yeah that's yep. the one 
if you had to pick a team to win that now, that is, that's a tough question. Yeah, so, can you explain that as well? Because I, I didn't get it. Yeah, exactly. so, it's, so it's a points of both. So it's yeah, so it's done after the home and away. Yeah, after that why. Yeah, right, so that okay. so it's, so it doesn't take into account any of the finals. Got you. So it's how you finished after the home and away, and the AFLW games are worth double. Yeah. So every AFLW games worth eight points. The men's are worth four. You add them together. So so Melbourne won last year, right? Melbourne won last yep. year because they you know and they only finished just ahead of Brisbane. Mm. Um, so this year, I think Brisbane will be strong again. Um, but the other one, depending on. Obviously, how they go in the men's, but if I'm tipping Gold Coast to make the women's grand final, if they, I've they got Gold of, Coast in my eight. Yeah, okay. So I think it could be could be a battle in Queensland. See how we go. Hey, Dills, in, absolutely incredible today, mate. I, I really appreciate your time. Genuinely incredible to get you in the pod. Um, you're a star, and uh, yeah, couldn't be more blessed to have you in the studio. Best of luck for 2024 and what's to come. Hopefully, we can keep our chats going and I'll chat to you about the equity in the uh, training, <laughs> training yeah, stuff. Yeah, I like it. And I'll expect that deal coming across for the live streaming as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least, yeah, at least everyone got something out of today. So, uh, <laughs> but no, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome, mate. Thank okay. you. Thanks for listening to another Clubby Sports Podcast. If you like this episode and you're looking for something else to listen to next, I've added a link in the show notes to another episode that I think you will love. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Dylan Friends, on TikTok at Dylan Friends. And if you want to send something in for the show or chat to us on the minis, any bit of feedback, please email me at mailbag at dylanfriends.com. We'll chat to you soon, IlyXX. Thank you so much. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.